Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Amen, amen. I invite you to remain standing as we hear the word that the Lord has for us this morning out of Galatians chapter 5. Morning, everyone. My name is Wendell Smith Harris. Uh, I am part of the Way Security team as also the missionary community group. Uh, today I will be reading from Galatians 5, 16 to 26. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, factions, Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep into step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Thank you. Father, we ask that you just lead us by your Spirit as we look to your Word. We need your guidance and your wisdom. Just move and work in our midst today and remind us how much we do need you in every single way. Father, we thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The church, you may have a seat. But you grab your seats, grab your Bibles. Again, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, and we're going to look at this passage that has a lot in it. And so if you're taking notes, which it's awesome if you do, you can title it, Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And that's really what we're going to drive down in this morning, is walking by the Spirit. Again, this context of this letter that we've been walking through in Galatians, we're titled this sermon series called By Faith. And what Paul continues to go back on is not by any kind of work, specifically the works of the law that he's addressing here, but it's by faith alone, by God's grace alone, in Christ alone, that we have a relationship with Jesus. It's nothing that we do. It's all that what he's done. That's what Paul continues to circle back around over and over again. And so then we come to this passage this morning. It has a lot in it that we're going to take some time just to work through. And as I was looking at this, I was reminded in our our own house, so I have a five-year-old that really loves growing things, gardening. And he's never really done it, but has been wanting to for some time. So finally, we made him a, made him a little garden, and we planted some red peppers. And so uh, he's watering it, and this is a couple of weeks ago, so nothing's growing, right? He thought, like, next day we'd have some peppers to be picking, and it's just not the way it works. It takes some time. It takes some intentionality. And so he's learning that process. As a five-year-old, he doesn't have a lot of patience, as you can imagine. But what's interesting, as I was thinking about this, is once these plants start growing, these red pepper plants, what would you expect to grow off them? It's not a trick question. Red peppers, right? Yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to set you up for failure. Red peppers. So would you be surprised if I started growing watermelons off a red pepper plant? Right. That's not the kind of plant it is. 
it's not in alignment with the kind. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to continue to have this thought of, is your fruit consistent with who you say you follow? And again, I'm not talking about the fruit in your yard, but the fruit in your heart is what we're going to get at this morning. And I think it demands some explanation because I think some of this terminology can be very churchy, if you know what I mean. Those that were raised in the church and haven't been around church life long, fruit and flesh and these different things that we use can be confusing, and I get that. And so just to define this, we're going to use Scripture to define these two terms as we walk through this together. So we're talking about fruits. We're talking about things that show from a person. Jesus in Matthew 7, and speaking against the false prophets who were teaching dangerous doctrines, says you'll recognize them by their fruit. In the same way every good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. And every tree that doesn't produce, produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And so in a very real way, it's this conduct, it's what comes out of a person, this fruit that shows, like the red pepper plant shows what is growing. In contrast, you have the flesh I think Romans 8, 7, 8 really hones down on what this flesh means. And it's this desire that comes from our sinful nature. Romans 8, 7, it says, The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. And verse 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that's what sets up what we're looking at in this passage in Galatians 5, this fruit of the Spirit and really fruit of the flesh. And so the main passage that we're going to continue, this main verse in this passage that we're going to continue to come back to over and over again during this time together this morning is verse 16. It simply says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not certainly carry out the desires of the flesh. And so I'm going to speak to that just real quick, because if you look at that, does that mean that perfection is possible in a person's life? Well, I don't think the Bible says that. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. For Christian and non-Christian, but specifically Christians, it says in 1 John 1, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, being God, a liar. And his word is not in us. And so what we see, at the moment you believed, you were saved from God's wrath, sealed by God the Holy Spirit, and began the process of sanctification. This is a process of God making a new work in you. You've been made new in Christ Jesus, but He's working in you to make you more and more sanctified holiness, or if you want to merge those, holification, right? It's a new word. You can use it. Holification. You're in the process of God's making you holy, and that's a tough process. 1 Peter 1.15 says, but as the one who called you is holy, being God, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. That's a lot of stuff. You thought about that? All? That's pretty, that's a lot of things. Not much comes outside of all. But you see, as we start looking at this holiness standard that God has, we continue to fall short, yet he's continuing to shape you and mold you more and more in the image of Christ. This is sanctification. And it's a process, and we say this a lot. Sanctification is a process. It's not overnight, but over time. So sometimes we've got to be patient with ourselves because God's very patient, yet 
we still strive and struggle, and that's what we're going to get to this morning. And we see the Holy Spirit's work in sanctification is where the struggle is. That's what I want to look at. That is where the struggle wages. That's where the war rages in our life is this process of sanctification. Galatians 5.17, as we saw, For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh, and it says they are opposed to each other. There's a war raging inside you. Have you felt that? Verse 24 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is war-fighting language. That's why I love Romans 7, that Paul describes it accurately. Why don't I do the things I want to do, yet the things I want to do I don't do? What a wretched man that I am. And here Paul, being a Christian, is saying this fight that's within him, this struggle against the spirit that he has and against the flesh that he's trying to overcome, there's a war. But the point is, as we struggle, as we war, we should be gaining more and more ground over those struggles. And there's victory in the battles. You should be seeing victory in the battles. But the war rages and will continue to rage this side of eternity. Come across this quote by Sun Tzu, Chinese general, military strategist, known for author of the art of war. He says, victorious warriors win first, then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first, then seek to win. And I love this because this is exactly the Christian walk. Not that I was intended to make that comparison, but I see it. So many times we often try to fight the fight, the spiritual fight in the flesh, before we do in the faith. The 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks to God we, who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we already have the victory, and so many times we fight from a place from defeat, and we should not do that. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us who gives us the power to be victorious over the battles as we wage the war, as we fight the good fight. But we have to start fighting from faith and not of our own flesh. And that's where we go wrong. And it's not that you won't fail or fall. That's how you respond to your fails and failures and those falls. How do you respond? So, many of you know this. I have a new sport that I've got myself into by peer pressure from my older sons. BMX racing, bike racing, right? Old guys on bikes, that's what we do. So, what I've come to find out, it takes practice. If I don't want to kill myself, I need to practice. And I'm competitive. So if I want to be any kind of competitive, I need to practice. I don't like to lose. But what I've seen that there are a lot of components in bike racing matter a lot. A lot of skills, but there's one that really matters, and it's how you start. And there's this practice. They have you on a gate, and then they release the gate, and you go. How you start matters a lot. And so if you can start well and get the lead into the first turn, you can hold the lead the rest of the race if you have any kind of skill. That's how you start. Obviously, it's how you finish, but that starting gate is key. So what we've done in the Weatherspoon home uh, is we built this mock-up starting gate. And so I've been practicing, right? And so let me show you a couple of videos. So the first video is kind of what's close. It's sideways. What's kind of close to look like, right? So that's kind of what it's close to look like. That's what I'm trying to do. So that, I think that's a success. It's okay if you can turn yourself sideways. It looks better right side up, I promise. This, the second video also happens. Whoa. 
Not what I was trying to do. And that was after the first video, just so that makes sense. Got some wins, got some failures. But what do I do? Do I give up? I can never do this. No, I have to practice more and get more consistent. The BMX racer says it's consistency over time makes all the difference. And so how you get back up matters. You continue to press on. Winston Churchill says this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So you're going to fail. You're going to fall. But we continue, as Paul says, to run the race, to fight the good fight. And that's just it. You ought to be struggling against the sinning that you're seeing in your life. So if you're not seeing your sinning, if you're not struggling against your sinning, let me just tell you what the verse says here. The Holy Spirit is not indwelling. That's what Paul's saying. You can't love your sin and love your Savior. It just doesn't mesh. The Holy Spirit will not allow that to continue to be the prevalent aspect of your life. That's verse 17. The Spirit desires what is against the flesh, hostile against the flesh, fighting against the flesh. There should be a war that's raging. Romans 8 verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So my question for you this morning is, do you have the Holy Spirit? And just to be clear, this is not some kind of holy laying on hands, have somebody professional, paid pastor pray for you. This is by your faith alone and grace alone, by God's Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that you have been given the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 13 says, in him, that being Jesus, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. And this is just it. Do you believe? Because here's the good news. This is gospel. It means good news, that there is a God who created you in his image to the point that you would have a relationship with him, to enjoy the relationship with him. Yet, all of us have a sin issue that have separated us from God. And to make things worse, nothing good that we do can ever restore the relationship that we broke because of our sin. But God proves his own love for us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He lived a perfect life that we could not to pay the price that we were supposed to pay. Dying to death in our place. Raised on the third day, now sits at the right hand of God, actively ruling and reigning as king. And so that anyone who believes in him, that somehow, some way, his blood on the cross counted for me, the Bible says, will be saved, will be made new, is a new creation. The sins are forgiven. The past is no longer defined you. You are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. I'm just asking, do you believe it? I was reminded just yesterday, it was yesterday, the day before, the king's coronation. And just to be clear, the only reason I know what a coronation is is from Frozen. Yeah, I heard somebody say it. Frozen. That's my education. But I'm just thinking, as these crowds came, how much more King Jesus is worthy of our attention, our praise, our dedication, even our sacrifice, because he's ruling and reigning now. And it's a picture of one day we'll all be worshiping. We've been talking to our family. We pray for an unreached people group each night as a family. And we go back to Revelation 7, 9, this promise that one day before the throne of God, worshiping, there will be someone from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language represented there, praising God because he is worthy. 
But this is the gospel. This is the gospel message that we have the opportunity to have a relationship with the God of the universe. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? It goes back to Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk by the Spirit. And as you've seen through this passage that we covered, you have the emphasis of walking by the Spirit, verse 16, led by the Spirit, verse 18, and live by the Spirit in verse 23. I'm just going to ask you, how's that going in your life? Walking, living, being led by the Spirit. So I can tell you when these things cease to exist, when we're not walking, being led, or living by the Spirit, something else rises up. And that's what we see here in verse 19 through 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and if just that wasn't enough, and anything similar, right? And so I was wondering if we're honest enough to say, yeah, I see myself on that list. I mean, raise your hand. I'm not doing this for illustration. Like, this is me. I see myself on this list. Am I alone? See, this is the problem. Like, people think that well, I don't go to church because a whole bunch of holier than thou. I know y'all are on this list. Because <laughs> that's the problem. We all are on this list in somehow, some way, if we're honest enough. Just think about this. Outburst of anger. Anybody had that? This week, this morning, getting to church? Outburst of anger. Selfishness, right? Sexual immorality. Well, you just got quiet. I know. Yeah. But, like, you, you think that's funny, but what does Jesus say? Actually starts in the heart, in the thought life. If you lust, you've already committed adultery. So sexual immorality is every sexual activity, thought, deed, outside of sexuality between a one woman, one man in marriage. Anything outside of that? Sexual immorality. So if we're honest enough, we've all fallen into that. And this is what it says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, which should make us pause and say, uh-oh, like I've, I've seen myself in a list and I'm in trouble. That practice is being doers of, being okay living in your sinning. I see myself on this, and when I see myself, I ask the question, like, what do I do with that? Okay, I see my sin. What do I do? Do I try and justify it? Do I try and reason it? Do I say, well, that's some things that were 2,000 years ago. It's 2023. Things have changed. Isn't that what we do? Or do we really see God for his graciousness and showing some things in us that are damaging? As a good father wanting the good for his sons and daughters to change and shape us more and more in his image. And when I see this, I just think of my life before I came to Jesus by faith. And I was 20. When I came to Jesus by faith and surrendered my life to him. Before that, I had a whole lot of baggage. And I absolutely was on this list. And my life would have been characterized as this list. And not only did I try to avoid it, I fed it. I wanted more and more of these things. But since Jesus, things have progressively changed. I felt another war raging inside me. Instead of just feeding my flesh, I didn't want to do some of those things before. And that desire to not want to do those things continue to grow until this day. I continue to hate those things I used to love so much. Why? Because the Spirit of the Holy God lives inside of me and doesn't want those things in my life because they are displeasing to Him. God does this. 
And we want you to see that there's no passivity in war, and you and I are in a fight. And I think we forget this. There's a spiritual battle raging at every moment in your life. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So my question for you is, what adversarial schemes are you enduring right now? Or do you not even recognize they're happening? Like when you think about the, 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 the works, the fruit of the flesh, what triggers those things in your life? Traffic? Road rage? People going 45 into 55 in the fast lane? I mean, come on. I'm just saying. Like these things like stir our emotions, not for holiness. How about kids? I mean, they're lovely, precious, cute, wonderful, and little sinners. Let's just be honest. I've got a few of them. Y'all know. The struggle's real. How can elicit these things within us? How about just being tired, hungry, stressed out? How about images that we see, commercials that we see? Do they stir thoughts? How about aloneness? What fuels these flesh reactions within us? Four, James 4, verse 7 is a great passage to how to fight against the flesh. It simply says, therefore, submit to God. This, in this order, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And this resist means be hostile against. Hostile against. This is actually fighting against. And notice it says hostile against the devil. It doesn't say hostile against people. Let's be honest. Isn't that what happens? Like, we forget the spiritual war rages through people, too, and we take our stress, anxieties, fear, and anger on people. When we realize it's, we need to realize it's the devil that's working through these things. Hostile against the devil. Again, Sun Tzu, again, the Chinese general military strategist, says this, If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. The enemy's schemes... We are weak, but we have all the power to win every victory. But we have to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and live by the Spirit. So what do you do when you're shown your sin? Do you rebel and reject reason? Some people, are you feeling condemned? And that's not good either. The Bible doesn't call for you to feel condemned if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. Condemn means I'm worthless, no longer fit for use. It's a demolished term, right? When buildings are condemned, they tear them down completely. No longer usable. If you're in Jesus, the Bible doesn't describe you like that. It says you're a new creation. Creating Christ Jesus for good works. Do you have conviction? That's a whole other story. Because conviction the Holy Spirit brings in us that leads to change in pursuing Him and His holiness. Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So those who are walking by the Spirit will continually show less of the flesh and more of the Spirit. That's just the process that, by God's grace, He has us on. Now, we have ups and downs. I've said this before. We like to go snowboarding in our family. And so when you go up to the mountains, it's not always going up. 
Sometimes you go up, sometimes you're flat, sometimes you go down, it goes around. But, but the trajectory, if you straighten it out, is always up. I think that's our life sometimes. Like sometimes we'll just be killing it in this Christian walk. And the very next day, we'll feel like complete failures. Anyone ever been there? But what do you do? You get back up. So it leads to another list. And so what does walking by the Spirit look like? It looks like this in verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so let me ask you, when you look at this list, who doesn't want more of that? Who doesn't want more of these things? Who doesn't need more of these things? It was interesting. My wife reminded me. Uh, we do some Hobby Lobby shopping, like some Hobby Lobby. And they have some nice signs they put together, little Bible verse things, and they had one sign that had the fruit of the Spirit list on there, yet it was missing one. Self-control, which I thought was interesting. Self-control. But as we look at these lists, a couple things that I want us to see about this list specifically. It says the fruit of the Spirit. That means singular. There's a list there, but it says singular. And that's what we see the difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There's various gifts that not everyone has all the gifts of the Spirit, but as a Christian, you all should have all the fruit of the Spirit. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit does produce these things in us. But the Holy Spirit drives all these things through us. And number two, notice that these are not the fruit of trying harder. Anybody ever been there? Like, I see this list, and I want to do these things, so I'm going to try harder. And man, we can have some good moments, maybe even good days, but it only lasts for a minute because we're trying under our own strength. It's not the fruit of trying harder. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He produces these things because we are not able to. I've heard it said that you don't get the fruit of the Spirit by straining, but remaining. And what this is pointing to is the words of Jesus himself. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. The Holy Spirit does this through our relationship with Jesus. And so what we see is walking by the Spirit stems from your time with Jesus. So here we are saying we're walking by the Spirit and we want to produce these fruits, and the Holy Spirit produces these things, but it starts with your time with Jesus. And so as many of you know, I, most of my adult life, 15 years, I've worked with or in the Air Force. And so like any military community, we love acronyms. Love them. They're a great way of learning, but we love some acronyms. And so for the sake of learning and note-taking, I'm going to give you an acronym. How do you walk by the Spirit? Well, this verse in John 15, remain in me and I in him. No translation says abiding. So I'm going to use abide, A-B-I-D-E, as an acronym. So if walking by the Spirit begins with Jesus, it has to begin with the A of abide, which I would say abandon. Abandon. That means abandon your own will and surrender to God's will in your life. This is the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus, knowing how to pray already, but saw something Jesus, different in Jesus' prayer life, and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what's he say? Pray like this. 
Father, your name be honored. And he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says this in Luke 9, 23, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. We have to abandon ourselves, our own wills, and surrender and submit to God's. Because believe it or not, he's actually God and we are not. And it really is a trust issue. So the A, abandon. B, simply boldly. Boldly. And because of Jesus, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 talks about Jesus being a high priest who is unable, who, who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Because of our relationship with Jesus, we can approach Him, being God, boldly, knowing that He hears us, and get this, actually moves. It's amazing. Maybe not in the time frame you wish He would, or in ways you think He should, but He moves because He hears. So let's approach boldly, because of our relationship with Jesus. The I, intimacy. Intimacy. James 4.8 simply says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have this relationship with the God of the universe where we can draw near to him, spend time with him, and knows that he draws near to us as present. In such a way, we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, the D would be dependency, dependency. In Acts 17, Paul was walking through the streets and saw these images of different gods, and he has this conversation, and he points to, I see your religious people, but there's a statue to the unknown God. Let me tell you about them. He starts explaining God. He explains Jesus. And he says this in Acts 17, 8. He says, For in him we live and move and have our being. That means we're fully dependent on Jesus in every way imaginable. Like, think about this every heartbeat that you have in your chest, every breath you take, that's because God's given it to you in this moment. We are fully dependent on him. And it's a good thing to remember that. Again, going back to John 15. He says, you can do nothing, this is Jesus, without me. And you know what he, the, the Greek there for nothing, do you guys know what that means? It means nothing. That's a lot of stuff, right? Nothing. Oh, I love these because there's, there's a lot of stuff. Nothing falls outside of nothing. What does that mean? You can do nothing without him. I went through years of seminary to tell you that. We're depending on him. And finally, E expectancy. I think that's where we go wrong so many times. We come to the Bible reading, we come to prayer, and we often don't expect for God actually to move in our lives. Do we expect for Him to actually move? He is God, and we have this relationship, intimacy with Him, and He actually moves and works in us and through us and around us. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 says this, and this is a refrain you see over and over in Scripture in different ways. This is God speaking. He says, And my people who bear my name, they humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And you see this refrain in similar ways over and over again. Humble yourself, turn to me, and I will. And I wonder, do we believe that? 
So many times our circumstances shape how we go about things, including our faith. Our history shapes that God is still moving and working and very much alive, ruling and reigning in our lives personally, in our lives corporately. Believe it or not, even in our nation. I'm just going to say it. Like so many times we get so down, but God is still ruling and reigning in the world. Still ruling and reigning. So as we looked at, the, at these, this abide concept of abandon, boldly, intimacy, dependency, and expectancy, we begin to see what it means to walk by the Spirit. It all stems from our relationship with Jesus. And so let me give you three points to take with you this morning. Again, I want us to be filled with application. Like this talk, we're not called to be doers of the flesh, but actually doers of the Word. So I'd hate for you to walk out of here without actually the Spirit stirring to do something with God's Word that you've heard. So he says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So let me just start with what that looks like practically. How do we walk by the Spirit? Number one, it starts with meditating on God's Word. That's both reading and remembering. I'll give you some research. This is just, we've shared it before, but it's been a while, so I want to share it again because it really is mind-blowing, but it verifies what God's Word says about God's Word. Lifeway did research about Bible engagement. Read the Bible intentionally. Spend some time just in God's Word. And they studied over a course of days. And so they saw people that had one day of regular Bible engagement a week. They saw basically no improvement in what we'd call a conduct type of things. Two days of Bible engagement, same thing. Really no growth, conduct, holiness. Three days, maybe a little bump on certain things that they're measuring, but really not. It was day four of regular Bible engagement in the week. They saw just off-the-charts growth on so many different levels. Let me just share a couple. So four days of reading with intentionality of the Bible they saw the feeling of loneliness drop 30%. They saw anger issues drop 32%. They saw bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%, and discipling others grew over 230%. And why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It's moved by His Holy Spirit. So no wonder if we spend time in God's Word that He gave, and the Spirit dwells inside us, change gets produced. So we read it and we remember it. Psalm 119.11 says, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. So I wonder, are we treasuring God's word in our heart? So you want to walk by the Spirit? It really starts with time in God's word. Number two, then responding in prayer. Responding in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 gives a very easy call and command to us. Pray constantly. Easy to do, right? Constantly. Do you pray constantly? Yeah, I don't either. It's all right. You can say it. I'm the pastor, right? Am I supposed to pray constantly? So how do you do that? There should be a prayer focus throughout the day. It really comes from your time with the Lord. It goes back to dependency. Are we dependent on the Lord? 
I'm telling you, God's really doing these last few weeks doing the work in my life when it comes to prayer. And I desire for this church to be a church that prays, a house of prayer. But it comes from our dependency on the Lord. We're praying for revival. You want revival, start with your time with Jesus. You show a church that values and prioritizes time with Jesus, you'll see revival happen. But even in praying, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And so we're seeing we're so dependent on the Lord and the work of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. And so let's continue to Bible engagement, praying constantly as we go. And finally, number three, gathering with other believers. You want to walk by the Spirit, which we're called to do. You need God's Word, time with the Lord, praying, and you need God's people. Let me ask you this. What was the first thing that God said wasn't good after His good creation? Aloneness. Aloneness. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. You were not created to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. You need other believers in your life by God's design. Hebrews 10, 25 simply says, calls for us to not neglect the gathering together. I've heard the pendulum swing so many different ways because now we have online streaming and these different things, and so people come really harsh against online streaming. I think online streaming has its place, but it's not to replace gathering with the believers. And this gathering is more of an Acts 2 type of gathering. Like, yes, Sunday morning worship we gather, for sure. That's what they did. But they also went from house to house gathering together. So they actually did life together. I wonder if we've carved up enough time to actually do life with one another. So we know we were to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and to live by the Spirit, but it starts with Jesus. It starts with God's Word. It starts with prayer and gathering with other believers, and it continues in that way. And a check engine light for us is when we start seeing the works of the flesh creep in, you know something's off, specifically with your relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, in those moments when he was praying in the garden, in the moments before he'd be betrayed, he has a couple of his disciples praying with him, and they keep falling asleep. He says, stay awake and pray so they won't enter into, into temptation. Then he says this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I wonder, do you feel that? Do you feel that weakness? And I would say it's a good thing if you do feel that weakness. If you don't, that's a bad thing. Because the weakness should drive us to dependency, to go back to God and say, I need you. I'm stuck in this sinful habit. I'm stuck in this thing and this thing, and I can't overcome it. Because you weren't meant to, God does that work. I heard an illustration recently, and I'll start wrapping things up because I know you want to get to lunch at some point today. I heard this illustration recently. I don't know anything about boating. I don't want a boat. I heard the best time in a boater's life is when you buy it and sell it. So I don't want a boat. But... I heard a great illustration because when it talks about living by the Spirit, I think sometimes it's like boats. We live like power boats. Like we control it. We control the throttle. We control the proportion. We control everything we want with the motor. I think that's sometimes how we live is that we do these things, our own strength and our own desires. 
our own self-sufficiency like a powerboat. We control the whole thing. Yet, we're called to live a life by the Spirit that looks like a sailboat. What's the difference? The wind drives it. The Holy Spirit drives us. I wonder if we're setting ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to drive us or are we popping out the engine. I'll do it myself. I say, for me, I run that thing ashore all the time. Metaphorically speaking, I don't boat. We, say, we see this in Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, we also keep in step with the Spirit. I go back to my military career. Because when we were marching, they teach you to keep in step with one another. So you have hundreds of people in perfect step with one another. That's what we're called to do with the Holy Spirit, keep in step with Him. And it starts with our time with Jesus. Again, we go back to, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. But it starts with Jesus. And so as we think about this, I'm just praying that God is showing us some things that need to change in our life, some areas where we strayed or we struggled, these areas that maybe we're not spending time with Jesus, we're not abandoning our own will. We're not boldly coming before Him. We're not having an intimacy with Him. We're not dependent on Him, and we're not expecting anything from Him. Let's turn and finally surrender again and remember the goodness of God's grace because He's faithful and He's unchanging, unlike any circumstance that you're ever going to encounter that continues to change and shift. God does not. But if you don't know Jesus, and I'm not talking about head knowledge. Like some people know Jesus like no Abraham Lincoln, right? Got all kinds of facts. I can quote some cool things. But have you surrendered to him by faith? Like every aspect of all your life, have you come to him by faith? And so somehow, some way, I don't understand it all, but I know that you died for me. And because you died for me, I have life forever with you and in you, and you're making change. I'm not the person I used to be. My path, past doesn't define me, but I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I believe it. I turn from my sin. I've seen I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and right now I'm surrendering my life to you. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray here in just a minute and just formally recognize what God's doing in your life, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'll say this real quick because if, for the believers in the room, remember that point you came to faith. If you really are honest with yourself and you remember that moment, you'll also know that you did nothing in that moment. Like what changed from you not wanting God to wanting God? It's the Holy Spirit. So right now, if you're feeling that protein and prodding, it's the Holy Spirit working, calling you. Today is the day of salvation. And for those of us who have become stagnant in following Jesus, remember that God saved you, redeemed you, called, pulled you out of the muck and mire to live a life for Him, to Him, because of His grace, because He's worthy. And it's a better life. Man, I look back, it's, my life is so much better with Jesus than not. I'm not talking about financially. I'm not even talking about physically. I'm just talking about better. Experiencing Jesus is better. Romans 10, 17 says, Forever, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that everyone means everyone. So I don't care what you've done, what you're going through, you're still within the everyone category. You have not out God's grace. And so come to him with all your junk and let him be the change agent in your life. For the rest of us, let's respond to what God's doing. I'm going to just invite us into a time of prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. And after we pray, I'm going to invite our worship team up and we'll continue to sing and worship. But in this time, I'm just going to have just a moment 
for you to deal with what the Holy Spirit is pointed to in your life right now and to respond. And after a few moments, I'm going to close this time of prayer, but I just want to invite you to deal with what God's putting on your heart. So let's take some time around just to pray in the quietness of your seat. And I'll close this time in a minute. Father, we come before you so thankful for who you are. Lord, right now I ask that you continue to show us areas to where we've strayed into our own way, to our own will, and how you are so kindly and lovingly drawing us back to yourself. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your patience with us and to us. We thank you for the revealing the areas in our life that need changing. And we thank you for the reminder of your word that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and righteous to cleanse us of all our sins and forgive us of all our trespasses. Lord, thank you for the reminder of our dependencies on you, how we need the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us And Lord, help us to see the areas that we've become self-dependent. Lord, draw us back to yourself in the faith that you called us to, in full trust and dependence on you because you are trustworthy, you are faithful, and that you love us more than we can ever imagine. We thank you for your amazing love that you've given us. We thank you for Jesus who's drawn us to you. We thank you for this time just to be still and know that you are our God. Lord, lead us in response of worship, whether that's praying, singing. Help us to respond in a lifestyle, in a Romans 12, 1 kind of way, living sacrificially of a response of worship because of you, because you are worthy. Help us not to depend on our flesh because we know it doesn't please you. Let the Spirit continue to work and move in us, Father. We just ask for a filling of your Spirit. Even in this moment right now, fill us with your Spirit. Fill this place with your spirit, Father. Remind us of who we are and whose we are. We are your children because of Christ Jesus. So let's walk boldly, come before you boldly because you are good. Lord, lead us in this time of worship, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this. All the name that's above every other name, that is the only name that saves. That is the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.